0: Hey, today is Family Worship Sunday, and the reason we we have this is when we have all of our kids, normally we shoo them off into their classrooms and we release them uh, to have their time together, but this Sunday in particular and and throughout the year, we want to invite our kids to come and worship with us uh, and be together and worship as a family and learn how to do that and wrestle through that in creative ways together. If you grew up in church, uh, maybe you remembered uh, being hushed, you know, in service in the pew by your parents, you know, because you had to be quiet and you had to sit still and, and do all of those kinds of things. And so part of that is our education and just learning how to worship uh, with different generations. And so uh, we want to honor that today and we're privileged to have Juniper Mercer come up and read our scripture today as we continue our time together. Let's welcome her. Thank you. Today I will be reading 1 Corinthians 12, sorry, 12 verses 12 through 13. The human body has many parts, but the par- but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit.
1: Thank you, Juniper. Thank you. Thank you, Juniper. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Josh. Very good to be with all of you today. Uh, yeah, as Doug said, uh, you know the reason that we do family worship—we do it once a month. Uh, there's been a number of studies that they've done over the last 20 years on what is it that makes uh, youth who grow up in the church stick in the church after they go on to college and beyond. And outside of those factors that happen within one's own family. The number one thing they found over time is for children to worship with the larger body, is really where a lot of that stickiness forms. That that adult faith isn't something foreign to them uh, once they come to uh, a place of being an adult themselves. So uh, we always always really welcome that. And this morning, uh, this morning as we worship, so we're in this uh, this series rebooting your faith, and we're looking at some of those core practices of followers of Jesus. Uh, For those who are Christians, it's kind of a good gut check to look at these things and say, okay, where am I in these? What do these look like in my life now? And then for those who are newer to faith or exploring faith or returning to faith, uh, all these things we're covering in these weeks, it's a good picture of what Christian faith looks like in practice. So that's kind of what we're doing. Um, Also today is Pentecost Sunday. I don't know if, if you guys are familiar with that, but... In the the larger church calendar, this is the day of the year uh, when the church historically has paused to focus on the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it goes back to Acts chapter 2, if that's something you want to check out, uh, and the the day of Pentecost where Jesus had ascended into heaven and the Spirit is given to his disciples. And the work of mission really begins at that point. So uh, in light of that, the practice that we're looking at in our series today is the practice of serving. Serving one another, and we're looking at that today in particular on Pentecost Sunday uh, because this is closely tied to God's Holy Spirit, to God's work in us, in, in giving us his spirit to indwell us. This is part of what happens in us. When we come to a place of saving faith in Christ, God grants us his spirit, and among other things, what that spirit does is he equips and empowers us for worship. So uh, this will probably be true of the kids, maybe of some of you adults too. In fact, I know it is. But superhero fans in the room, come on. Uh, Marvel Universe, who are the Marvel people? (laughs) DC Universe, we're trying again. Marvel, that's what I thought. DC, the Marvel is so superior. It really is. (laughs) uh, Yeah, have you seen Guardians 3 yet? I have not, but I'm hearing good things. I love, love, love. Chris Pratt. So very excited about that. But I reference that uh, because one of the themes you have in the entire superhero world is that anyone who is doing great things has some special ability to do those things with. Right? Rather, uh, whether it's it's a superpower that was brought on by a radioactive spider. Right? Or was brought on by a, a radioactive accident in the laboratory. There's all, often a lot of radioactivity. Most of these... Stories were written in, uh, in a, a very nuclear age. as That was all very new and scary. Uh, or you could just be like Batman and have a lot of money and a lot of gadgets. But you have something, right, that empowers you to do the mission that you are called to do. And the Holy Spirit functions much that way in our lives as well. He empowers us. He gives us special giftings to be a part of the mission that God is doing in this world that he loves so we could say this. This can be kind of our headline this morning as we come to the text. That the spirit of Jesus, that is God's Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus empowers us to do good. The spirit empowers us to do the good that God would have us do. And ultimately, to do the good that we would want to do. And friends, I'm, I'm convinced of this. And tell me if this is something that you feel. But I'm convinced there is... There is a part of each of us. There is a part of our soul that absolutely craves significance. There is a part of us that knows that we are made for more than being born into this world and going to school and getting a good job and then saving for retirement and then learning to golf. We know that there is something more to life than this, and we long to be used for a purpose. We long to have this world be a little better place after we leave it, than it was before we got here. And that longing is in us because it is a longing placed there by God. Eternity is in our hearts, as it says in the book of Ecclesiastes. And God gives us a means to fulfill that longing. That means is his Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus empowers us to do good. So this morning, we're going to ask the question, how do we do that? What is our best path forward? In living a life of impact and significance. And uh, and I would suggest this comes in understanding how the Holy Spirit has gifted us. As we get more in touch with that, we're able to better live into the life that he has called us to live. Uh, So, uh, we're going to open to 1 Corinthians 12 if you want to read this with me. Consider as we read. Consider how has God gifted me. Think about that as we read. And how would he have me use those gifts? And let's pray. We'll look at the scriptures together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you, God, that your love is such that you would pursue us even when we are running from you. That your love comes after us, that it chases us down, that it embraces us. And we thank you, God, for the cross. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your love for us was such that you would die for us, that you would come and take our place when you didn't have to. And Holy Spirit, we give you thanks that you lower yourself to dwell within us as these imperfect vessels that we are. And God, even as we give you thanks this morning, we pray that you would fill us up. We pray that you would stir up your life within us, Holy Spirit, that you would enliven our ears to hear what you are saying through your word. And God, would you teach us how to live more deeply into the life that you call each of us into? May the fruit of that be lives that do, in fact, impact this world that you love. So God, we ask you for this. We surrender ourselves to your purposes in our life. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so the text is 1 Corinthians 12, uh, and this is a classic passage on the spirit and on spiritual gifts. It begins with this. It says, now about the gifts of the spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So let's pause there for a moment. Uh, So Paul begins this conversation of our giftedness. He begins it with with this, that every person has a gift to contribute. And he's very clear about this. No one is left out. Every person who puts their faith in Christ becomes part of what God is doing in the world. There are no exceptions. And every person receives this special empowerment of the Spirit. in one way or another, it's going to manifest in different ways. But everyone receives this. Everyone has a gift that they get to contribute to what God is doing in the world. And what's more? Uh, Paul emphasizes here, and, and we'll touch on why this is, but one of the problems that they had in Corinth is they were extremely divided. Right As a society, they were extremely divided along lines of class, along lines of race. Uh, there, was, there was a lot of pride and a lot of comparison of like, who's better, and th- this was Corinth, right? And it, it bled its way into the church. And this is something that Paul is addressing. And I, I point that out in particular, because that might sound eerily familiar, because it's very much where we are as a society. Divide along those lines and more, comparing ourselves to one another, trying to be superior and outdo, all these things, all these spaces for division. And Paul's saying, listen, whoever you were when you came into this, it doesn't matter. God has enlisted you in what he is doing, and he has given you a gift to contribute to the rest. That gift is going to work for the common good of all those uh, that are in the church. Now, he gives a list. I'll read it to you. It's not exhaustive. There's other lists in the New Testament, too. But it's some great examples that he's given of how God's gifts might manifest in us. So the next verse, it says, To one there is given, through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits, discernment. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each person, just as he determines. Now, as, as we look at this list, first thing that I want you to notice here is that the, the gifts the spirit gives are, are very diverse, Right? Some of these gifts involve speaking, right? being able to, to give a word of wisdom at the right time. That's a gift that God gives some people in the body, and you probably know some people like this. I bet there are folks in this church and beyond as well where when you need somebody who's wise to speak something into your life, like you know who to call. God puts people in his church like that, people who have a, a gift of wisdom. Uh, Gifts of knowledge is listed here, too. People who have a gift from God to just be able to take in information, to know the things, and be able to make sense of the things. Often this is paired with teaching gifts as well, right? Uh, There's other speaking gifts that are mentioned here and elsewhere as well. Uh, Prophecy, right? And usually in our minds we think about prophecy. That means predicting the future. Actually, in the Bible, it usually doesn't. It can Involve that, but most often it just means somebody has an ability from God to hear what God is saying and to speak it actually into the present, to speak it into the present moment. This is how we take God's word to us in this moment and we live that out. Uh, there's there's other gifts in here that have nothing to do with speaking. There's gifts here that we might think of as the miraculous gifts, uh, although. Part of what Paul is telling us here is that all of the gifts are miraculous. All of those reflect God working through us. Uh, But things here like speaking in tongues. right? And this actually goes back to Acts 2 and that first day of Pentecost. And maybe you know the story, but part of what's going on there is you have people from all different nations in the world. And the apostles, as they are preaching to people, they're, they're speaking words that they understand, but they're being heard by the listeners in their own language. And we see that in the scriptures, and Paul references that. And we see this gift, too, come with others as, uh, to use Paul's language elsewhere, when people speak in the tongues of both men and angels, right? To be able to to communicate in a heavenly language. And uh, for some people, including some in our church here, that comes out primarily in prayer, where they are able to pray in languages that are not their own, uh, to pray, as it were, in the language of heaven. Uh, Healing is another one that uh, would be sort of a a miraculous gift here. And, um, man, this is one of those things where I I pray that God brings us more folks in our church who have various gifts of healing. And we've actually had a couple folks like that through the years. And it's it's really cool to have somebody where, uh, I mean, maybe not every time, but where God seems to use them when they pray for people to be healed of stuff, they're healed of stuff. It's super exciting. That's not one of my spiritual gifts, but there's a handful of times in my life where I've, I've just had this deep sense that God is calling me to pray healing on someone, and I've seen them healed. And it's like, dude, that's very exciting. God, I would do that more often if you, are, you, know, if you want me to do that. It's very, very cool. Um, but, um, but that's one of the gifts that God gives to his people as well. And, and one, by the way, that I, I don't think we really lean into enough. Uh, we get We get shy about asking God to heal, and we shouldn 't This is a way that God works, and we need to ask for that uh, there's there 's a bunch of others here i don 't want to go through everyone, but there 's also gifts that are more service oriented here and in other of these types of lists in the New Testament but uh, God gifting people just to to help to to be that person who shows up and does things i I had a great conversation with a brother this last week who was talking to me about when he feels most alive and energized in his life with God, and it's it's primarily when he is there helping somebody else. And I said to him, you know, that's a really good clue as to where your giftedness lies. God's doing something in that. This is part of how you're gifted to work in the body. Gifts of leadership, gifts of administration, gifts of encouragement, Uh, there's, there's pretty much... Uh, an endless list of these ways that God chooses uh, to use us in the lives of others. Mm. So we see here there's all these different functions, right? And God doesn't give any one person in the church the ability to do all of these things. Uh, And we'll see as we go. There's a reason for that. But what we need to know here, what Paul is saying to us first, is that every person has something to contribute. Every person is given a gift It's there to help build others up. Uh, now, here's a question that you might kind of hold with you this morning as you're processing this. Uh, but ask yourself this. What is it that I like doing? What really fills me up? And what seems to bless others? Uh, often, this is a really good clue to where our giftedness lies, particularly if you're not sure how God has gifted you, maybe start with this question. What really fills me up as I am doing this to serve others, and what seems to really impact those around me as well? Uh, hold on to that one. We're going to add to it. But that's one. Every person is given a gift to contribute. A uh, second thing that we're told here in this passage is that every person is vital. And here Paul introduces a metaphor you might be familiar with. He says that we all are like body parts, and together, we end up making up the body of Christ. So verse 12, it says, Just as a body, the one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now pause for just a second. Note here. Paul is pointing out that we are different in many ways. Different racial backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, different social status. But he's making the point we are part of the same body. We have the same baptism. We receive the same spirit. And then he goes on to say these various parts come together to form one body. Verse 15. It says, now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body <clears throat> where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So, Paul says not only is every person given a gift that they are to share with others, he says here every person is vital. He says God has deliberately arranged the body in such a way, arranged the church such that we need each other. Sometimes, I I think this might actually be the single most difficult thing for us as 21st century Americans to get right as a church. It so flies in the face of the individualism that's just part of the water we all drink, part of the air that we all breathe. God has deliberately made us such that we cannot be independent, that we have to be interdependent, that we have to be connected to others. This is, this is how he has made us. It's as if God says to us, I don't want you to go it alone. And so I've made you to need others and others to need you too. And I, I appreciate in this part of the text, I think Paul speaks to a really common insecurity of mine and I'm guessing for many of you as well. Uh, but this idea that what I have to contribute doesn't really matter. Right? And I I love the way he puts it. You know, the foot looks at the hand and says, man, the hand is pretty awesome. Look at all the things that a hand, even even maybe a four-fingered hand can do. Look at all of the things. And the foot says, I really wish that I was a hand. And, you know, he he takes another part of the body. You know, he he looks and says, well, uh, what about what about an ear? What about an eye? Right? The ear could look at the eye and say, that is an amazing piece of hardware. Look at everything the eye can do and say, I would be valuable if only I was an eye and not an ear. But of course, and this is why the metaphor is so good, of course it wouldn't work. Right? If you have no feet, how can you walk? Right? You could walk on your hands, but it's not for very long. It's not good. If, if everyone were an eye, there would be no sense of smell. There would be no sense of hearing. To have a functioning body, you need all the parts. Every part is vital. And there is this temptation, friends, that I think many of us struggle with, a temptation to minimize what it is that I contribute. To look at my own gifting, compare it to somebody else's, and say, I don't really matter. I don't really have a place. And that's exactly what Paul is speaking to here, saying that is not true. Every person is gifted, and every person is needed. Every part of the body is vital. There's, I think there's a lot of reasons that we tend to struggle in that way. Uh, Our insecurities not being the least of them, certainly that's been a factor for me. Um, But one other reason, and maybe consider this, and this again gets to the question of what are my giftings? But consider this. Sometimes the things that we are gifted in feel so natural to us that we don't realize that maybe they're not natural to everybody else. Sometimes the thing that you contribute is something that feels so ordinary, so normal, that you do that thing and you just kind of go, oh, well, everybody can do that. There's nothing special about that. But that's actually another really good clue to where your giftedness might lie. And it's, this isn't to say that what you do is easy, only to say that it, it often comes to you in a way that is pretty natural. Uh, I'll tell you one way that this has worked itself out for me is uh, for years I hesitated to, to teach the Bible to people because I, I didn't think I had very much to offer in that regard, and part of it was it just felt kind of normal. It was like, well, you know, I read the Bible, and I see the things, and I explain the things, and doesn't everybody do that? And, of course, many in the body do that, but it took me a long time to finally hear, well, not everybody. That's part of what you're supposed to do in the body of Christ. It's part of what you're supposed to do. I've seen this with folks who have great gifts in the area of hospitality, right? And it's the most natural thing for them to create a space in their home or someplace else where people are able to come, and they just, you know, they walk in, they feel warm, they feel loved, they laugh, they eat food, there's music. They just put these things together in ways that feel so natural to them. They feel like this isn't a big deal. There's nothing special about what I do. But then somebody like me who has like no hospitality gifts, like anti-hospitality gifts, I come to those. I'm like, how do you do this? That was beautiful. That was wonderful. But for them, there's a temptation to say, well, that's, everybody can do this. It's not even a thing. So think about this, friends. Think about this. I want you to ask this question as well. What comes so naturally to me that I assume everyone can do it? What comes so naturally to me that I just assume this is something that everybody can do? There's a good chance that there's a clue inside of that to your giftedness, to the way that God might use you in the world. Uh, We need each other, friends. Every person has a gift to contribute. And every person brings something that's vital. Uh, One more. Finally, in this passage, Paul says this to us. It's that every person looks out for all the others. Every person looks out for all the others. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary. Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Every person looks out for all the others. So listen, if one temptation that we deal with inside of this is to minimize that thing that I contribute, another temptation is to minimize what somebody else contributes. And Paul's addressing both sides of that coin here. We don't want to minimize what it is that we contribute to the body, and at the same time, we don't want to minimize what somebody else brings as well. To say to somebody, in essence, what you bring doesn't matter. Your contribution isn't important. And and the church in Corinth was struggling with that, and Paul's like, no, no, not here. We don't divide into our subgroups. We stay united as a people, and part of that is the work of the one spirit of God empowering each of us to bring something, and something that is important, something that will not be brought by somebody else, right? So he says, you know, the eye can't say he doesn't need a hand because the eyeball can't pick things up. The eyeball has no fingers, so it needs the hand. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you feet, because the head can't walk. And it's not going to go very far if it has no feet. Mm -hmm. And even more, even more, hear this. Paul says we protect each other. And this this is a great part of this body analogy as well. He says if, if some part of your physical body is weaker, you work overtime to protect that part. Right? If some part of your body is, is less presentable, you treat that part of the body with special modesty. It says if, if some part of the body uh, somehow needs an, an extra layer of care, if something is weaker, weak uh, or less honorable, then we, sometimes we give more honor to that. We treat it in a way uh, that helps it in its area of weakness. And he says, friends, that this is what we should do with one another too that we should be very attentive to the ways that we could protect one another in the body, to the ways where you might be weak. Maybe I can be strong. And the ways where I might be weak, maybe you can cover my blind side and you can be watching out for me. Uh, That we protect and we look out for each other in that way. There's there's an other-centeredness In God's vision for his people, that means we don't have to be able to do it all. That means it's okay for us to be weak because we're not meant to be alone. We're meant to always have a brother or sister to our right or to our left that can be watching that blind side for us. And that only together we become the people of God in the way that he wants the people of God to be. Right? We... I think we struggle at times in our culture with this whole that idea of where does, where does church fit into my life with God? Can't I just kind of do the Jesus and me thing alone by myself? <clears throat> the New Testament answer to that is a resounding no. That that actually would be an area of sin in our lives if we decide that the way to go is to go it alone. We haven't been made for that. And one reason is because your brothers and sisters need you. They will not be complete without your presence. And you have a responsibility to them. And likewise, they to you. Paul says here, the result of this is a body that is not divided, but instead has equal concern for each other. I mean, isn't that one of the core issues in our society today? Uh, at, at the tender young age of 51, I can say I've, I've never seeing our society as divided in my lifetime. Some of you who are older might say, oh, you should have been here in the 60s. But it's a mess. But listen, this, this is real. You and I, as the body of Christ, have an opportunity to show something different. To live in a way, in the midst of a world that is relishing the divisions between us, to say, no, no, no. We can be different and still be one. Difference doesn't have to lead to division. And Paul's saying, this is how we do it. This is how we do it. We live in such a way that we are looking out for one another and that in that there's no division and there's equal concern for all the members of the body. If you suffer, I suffer with you. If you are honored, I rejoice with you. If you are minimized by others, I elevate you. If I am weak in an area, you come alongside and you lend me your strength. In that, the body finds no divisions but equal concern for each other. Yes? Let me add one more question into the mix for us here. So we're thinking about our giftedness. And this has to do more with how we apply them. But ask this, in what ways am I looking out for my church family? In what ways am I doing this? In what ways am I looking for those who might be minimized and elevating them? In what ways am I coming alongside and hurting with those who hurt? In what ways am I celebrating with those who celebrate? In what ways am I making sure that somebody is watching that brother or sister's back? even as I hope that somebody is watching mine. Uh, I, want to, um, I want to play a, a video for you. And um, Many of you will be familiar uh, with this fellow, Jason McElwain. He was, he was all over the news a few years ago, but I hadn't seen this in a few years and came across it and was like, oh man, this sums up so much of what Paul is saying here. So uh, give this a look. Greece
2: Athena High School in Rochester, New York has a new most unlikely hero, a special ed student by the name of Jason McElwain. Let's keep it going. Jason is the basketball team manager. For the past couple years, he's been assisting coach Jim Johnson, helping with whatever the team needs.
1: And go! Get him motivated and, uh, hand out water, and just be enthusiastic.
2: Enthusiastic, to say the least. Despite being born with autism, Jason's father says his son has never had a problem expressing himself at basketball games.
1: You know, I was always concerned that he might get a technical and they lose a game because he, you know, start yelling or whatever.
2: Let's have a hard practice tomorrow, all hour and a half, and let's get ready for Arcadia. Yeah, okay. Let's go. One, two, okay. three, two. Because he has been so devoted to the team, for the last game of the season, Coach Johnson decided to let Jason actually suit up. Not to play, necessarily, just to let him feel what it's like to wear a jersey. At least, that was the plan. But with four minutes to go in last week's game, Coach Johnson stood up and pointed to number 52, Jason McElwain. After years of fetching water and toweling off other people's sweat, Jason was actually in a game. His first shot was a 20-footer from the right baseline. Was it close? Did you almost make I it? I
1: just airballed it. <laughs> I'm like, just, dear God, please, let's just get him a basket.
2: His second shot missed two, but the third was a charm. A three-point no-doubter, and Jason wasn't done yet. Not by a long shot. If I wasn't there to witness it, I wouldn't have believed it, you know. You caught fire. I just caught fire. I was hot as a pistol. Jason ended up shooting six three-pointers. One right after the other. He had 20 points total. And each time a shot went in, his teammates and the crowd went a little crazier. His last basket, right at the buzzer, created total mayhem. Because he is autistic, Jason says he's used to feeling different. But never this different. Never this wonderful. Steve Hartman. CBS News, Rochester, New York.
1: Hot as a pistol. (laughs) Uh, It's a great picture though, isn't it? We protect each other in our weakness. We celebrate each other in our joy. We hurt with one another in our hurts. Every person has a gift to contribute friends. Every person's gift is vital. And every gift is going to be maximized most as we are looking out for one another in the body of Christ. Let's pray together.